0: Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. So this Wednesday at about 10 a.m., I got a call from a friend of mine who was frantic, and she said that, Uh, there was a guy with a gun or person with a gun in the Altoona high school and that people had been shot. and I was in Tyrone at the time I wasn't even in Altoona and so many emotions went through my head and heart Um, confusion at first because my friend was panicked and it was hard to even understand what she was saying the words sort of didn't make sense and then panic and fear and anxiety because I'm far away from my kids And just frustration at that. And so in that moment, I just began to say the name of Jesus over and over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, everything in my heart came out in that prayer. Jesus, Jesus, I just kept saying it because I didn't know what else to do. I felt so powerless. And so it didn't take long. Thankfully, it was just about 15 minutes before I found out that actually that was probably a hoax. But then I was filled with such these feelings of injustice and frustration that kids and adults went to school or to work that day and were terrified that they could lose their lives just because they went to school. I think we all feel this deep level of sadness and sorrow when we hear about those things that actually do happen. Thankfully here it didn't, but we know these things happen in different places, and we're just filled with such pain over those things. And it's not even just that, right? Our world is full of sadness and pain. There's so many things that we know are not right. I think of people who suffer with mental illness and struggle with that, maybe all of their lives, people who have terminal illnesses and are taken away from us too soon... People who are in marriages that seem to have no hope or no way to be fixed. People who are stuck in addictions. People that we love or maybe us ourselves that we really recognize. We feel like we have no power to change these things that we know aren't right. We feel really powerless to change them. And I think inherently we know that we have very little control over these things. How many of you like not having control? Nobody likes that, right? And when we feel that way, we're filled with anxiety. And that anxiety sort of pushes us toward one of two responses, either fight or flight. We've all heard of this. How many on Wednesday evening, after hearing the craziness that happened in school, thought, well, I'm going to pull my kids out of school, and we're going to get in a hole, I'm going to put my, my family in a hole, and we're going to protect them, and not nobody can touch them then or some of us just distract ourselves, right? My first thought whenever I knew everything was okay and I was getting my kids I'm like we're going to have ice cream tonight. <laughs> we're going to like get all the endorphins into us. We distract with food or TV or really anything, right? To make us not feel that way, that out of control, sad, scared way that we feel. That's flight. A little later on Wednesday, after I knew that everything was okay, I got an email from my son, who goes to the junior high, and it said, there was a shooting at the high school a little bit ago. Please come get me. And so I knew that it was okay, but he clearly didn't. He was scared and far away, so of course I go to the high school or to the junior high, and what I find is this line that wraps around the junior high hundreds of parents who are coming to pick up their kids. And so I stood in line for two hours waiting to get my scared son. And I sent him lots of emails. It was like, you're okay. It wasn't real, but I I could not get to him. And while I was standing in that line, I witnessed lots of different responses. There were some parents who were yelling, who were talking about how the school was terrible and cursing the school because they wouldn't just give them their kids, And there were some parents who were talking about rioting. Like, if we just all band together, they can't stop us all. They can't arrest us all. There were some parents who were completely bypassing the line, who weren't even trying to stand in the line, just going to the front door and decided that they were going to get their kids before anybody else who was standing in line. That's fight. So those are the two responses that we're usually pushed toward. And I'm not saying that those things are all the way or completely wrong, but on one hand, there's being driven by our emotions into fight or flight behaviors. And on the other hand, there's the way of Jesus. Dallas Willard said, feelings are good servants, but they're disastrous masters. And so I think a lot of us sometimes grow up thinking, or maybe we're told that our feelings are bad. Our feelings lie to us. And I don't think that's true. What's true is that feelings are really good indicators of something happening inside of us. Where it goes awry is that we decide that the thing that's happening inside of us is definitely true of the world, and so we have to engage based on how we're feeling. We override this thoughtful or even prayerful response. Feelings actually are very helpful for us to know that there's something, Not quite right, but if our feelings are allowed to always dictate our behaviors, we end up even more scared and frustrated and angry. It creates this cycle of we act directly out of our feelings, but then that doesn't really fix the problem. And so we get more scared and frustrated because we've done everything that we can do, but it's not working, and it just creates this cycle of emotion that's not helpful. The reason for that is that we were never meant to do life on our own. Humans were designed and created to have God be Lord of our lives. And so our decisions, what we do, should be according to his will. We weren't meant to decide based on how we feel. But that doesn't mean that we can't take into account our feelings. Jesus offers us a different way. And today, we're going to look at just a few scriptures in the book of Luke that I hope will help us see that. We're going to start in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 48. And I want to give you a little bit of context about what's happening here, because I'm not going to read the whole chapter. So if you don't know, today is Palm Sunday. And so here we start where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and people were waving palm branches and praying or praising him, putting their coats on the, on the ground so his donkey could walk across them, just rejoicing in the fact that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. Now, these same people less than a week later are gonna be calling for his crucifixion, but this is where we are in the story. Jesus has sent for the donkey. He's on the donkey. He's about to ride. Into Jerusalem, and as people are praising him and calling him king and shouting Hosanna, which means we're saved, in the middle of all of that, as he's about to ride down into the city, Jesus stops to feel the emotions that he's feeling. He mourns the fact that so many people in the city he's about to ride into don't really know who he is that they're choosing their own ways, the ways that they've learned to exert their own control over their lives and to get to God instead of this new way that Jesus is offering. And these people are scared and they're fighting. Verses 41 through 44 say, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I'll stop right there. So Jesus, in the middle of everyone praising him, stops to lament. He feels the sadness and the disappointment and the regret that people have been waiting their whole lives for the Messiah, and he's here. But they don't get it. They've missed it. Everything that all these religious leaders were trying so hard to have and receive was here, and they didn't get it. In this example, Jesus offers us permission to feel our feelings. And as we look at the world and our lives, things that aren't quite right, the things that cause us sadness and pain, rather than turn away from them and distract, either in fight or flight, we have to sit still and feel. Jesus felt pain Jesus felt sadness. Jesus felt the frustration of not being in control because though God was all-powerful and all-knowing, he chose to give humanity free will. He chose to give up some of his control so that humans could freely choose to love God or not. Unfortunately, very often we choose to do things that are outside of God's will. We choose to do things that make us feel comfortable or things that hurt other people and so that loss of control feeling that we feel when we look at the pain and sorrow of the world Jesus felt that because humanity has free will and was not choosing him. Jesus knew that he was the right way that he was the truth and that he held all peace And he watched the people that he loved turn away from him and not accept that. Jesus could have engaged in fight or flight, right? Like, I can imagine a scenario where Jesus is looking down at the people recognizing that they won't receive him and just say, never mind. This clearly isn't working. I'm going to go binge Netflix. Like, this is not going to happen. He could have engaged in flight, or fight. All of these people were following him and they wanted him to be a military leader anyway. So he could have rallied a posse and said, we're going to go take the city. We're going to hurt people and take it the way that we think, you think we should. But he didn't. He called on God and felt the pain and lamented. And sometimes we get stuck there. Sometimes we get stuck in the really overwhelming feelings that we feel when we think about the brokenness that lives in our life or the brokenness in the world. I think we probably all know some people who are stuck there, who are maybe disillusioned with God, thinking, when will he ever show up and fix things? Why do these things happen again and again? We can get stuck in that. And I think we know people who are stuck in that. And we often feel hopeless in those situations. But feeling our feelings is only half of the equation when we're living life with Jesus. The very next verse, Jesus begins taking action. Luke chapter 19 verses 45 through 48 says, When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him, yet they could not find a way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Jesus feels the weight of his emotions, he doesn't shut them down. He laments to God and he continues on the mission that God sent him on, trusting God that he knows best, that God is good and that God is with him. He doesn't run away or turn to violence. He chooses to trust God and do things God's way. And I know many of you are doing that in the face of pain in the world. There are some of you I know who have a heart for women who are pregnant and didn't expect to be. And so you volunteer with agencies that are helping with that. Some of you are really hurt by human trafficking and so you volunteer or support agencies that fight in that way. Some of you are so struck by the racial injustice that we see, and so you do things to fight those those things as much as you possibly can. And all of that is really, really good. And God asks us to trust him with our lives as well. I think sometimes it can be a little bit easier for us to see the pain in the world out here, and do things to engage the pain out there, but it can be really hard for us to take a look at the pain inside of us and offer that to God. Even harder can it be for us to trust that God will do something about it if we give it to him, or if we stop distracting from it, that we won't be swallowed up by the pain. But that. Is the invitation of God. Let's jump ahead to Luke 22, verses 39 through 46, which says Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you do not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why were you sleeping? He asked them. up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So Jesus is crying out to God in such a depth that he is sweating blood. Have you ever been that real and raw with God? Have you ever allowed yourself to feel the depth of anguish over maybe your own sin, sin that's been done to you, the pain in the world? Have you ever allowed yourself to feel that depth of emotion? I would say for most of us, probably not. I think that's why we distract ourselves. We distract so we don't get to that point because we're really afraid that it might engulf us and then we wouldn't be able to function. But here is Jesus feeling the most emotion. He doesn't hold back and he doesn't hide from it. This week I had two conversations that even get close to this vein of depth of emotion with God. The first one was with a mom on Wednesday who was so panicked and struck in with fear about what could happen to her family in this world about ways that she knows she can't protect them and she wanted to just take them and run away, go off the grid and never talk to anyone again so that they could be safe. Her panic and fear had been pushed to the surface and it was so clear to me that God wanted her to sit with it and not push it away like she would be tempted to do, to bring all of that emotion to him and hold it before him instead of distracting or running away. The other was with a woman who is so aware of her own brokenness and her failures to fix herself that she's afraid of engaging, healing with God because what if it doesn't work? What if I try again and I'm still really broken and God doesn't heal me and then I might lose my faith? So I'd rather just stay how I am rather than face the anxiety and fear I feel to press in. I think the invitation of God to both of those women and to us is to feel the depth of emotion that's produced in us when we experience the brokenness of this world. To feel it with things that are happening outside of us and feel it with things that are happening inside of us. And right in the middle of that, to choose to trust God with our emotions, to bring him into it in prayer and trust that he is with us. More than you trust yourself, more than you trust your ability to fix or control, to trust God. And what does that look like? I think that looks like my prayer of Jesus, 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 Jesus. I don't think it has to be super holy or powerful. It looks like desperation. Choosing to believe that God is powerful and good And you don't know how, and you don't have to understand how, but that he'll show up. Choosing not to engage the normal ways that we engage of trying to cover up and fix and pretend, but allowing ourselves to be in full submission to God, just the way we are. So my question to you is, what is so big and painful to you that as soon as the thought of it enters your mind, these things often creep in at night when our defenses are low. What is the thing that's so big and painful that as soon as it creeps in, you have to turn it off. You have to turn away because you're afraid of what might happen if you go there. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's addiction. In your life or in the life of someone around you, maybe it's a sin committed against you or maybe it's a sin that you've committed yourself that holds you in bondage, that every time it creeps up, you have to just manage it and shove it down. That would be great if that worked, but it doesn't work. Those things just continue to rise back up. The only way that I've ever experienced healing of those things is by bearing them to God and to other trusted friends who can help me walk that stuff out. For Lent, I gave up distracting from pain. I, wasn't, I didn't even realize that that's what I would be, I didn't know that this week was going to happen, but that's what I decided to give up, because I know that it's very easy for me to do, and it is not good for me. So I have started this practice of when I feel my heart and mind start to spin around something, you know what that's like whenever you're th- trying to figure out how to fix it or you're just so scared that it might go a certain way, you're trying to think five steps ahead, how you could head it off at the path, you know, you're just spinning an emotion. Whenever I recognize that, which I don't always right away, but whenever I recognize that, I just begin to verbally give those things to God. God, I give you my kids. I give you their friendships. I give you every single one of my relationships. I give you everyone who attends my church. I give you the construction at the church. Whatever it is that's spinning in my my heart and my mind, I just begin to verbally give it to Jesus. And there's something that happens there, some sacred thing that I can't really explain, but God gives me his peace for my anxiety And that doesn't mean that in five minutes I'm not going to have to spout off all those things again. But something happens. There's a shift that happens there when I have placed all the things that I've taken on myself, all the burdens that I've decided I have to fix, and I put them where they belong at the foot of the cross for Jesus to take care of. And I'm filled with his peace. On Wednesday, after my prayer of Jesus, 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 Jesus... I knew that everything might not be all right. I really knew that. But I knew that God was with me, that God was with my kids, and that I trusted him. And I was different because of it. So your circumstances may not change right away, but God can give you something else that supersedes, that's supernatural, not of this world, peace that passes understanding. As we give those things, fully to him. Jesus felt the pain and anguish that this world would heap on him. And he prayed, Father, I don't want that. I, don't, I want to be rid of this pain. And if there's another way, I'd like that, please. But I will do what you say because I trust you more than i trust myself jesus's prayer was i trust you father i think that's a prayer for us as well and many of you know that jesus's life didn't get better right away after that prayer if this cup could be taken from me but your will not mine it got worse but in jesus's willingness to trust god he made a way such that we can be right with god that we can experience God's love and peace even in the midst of our own pain. Jesus choosing to do God's will made a way for us to even be able to do God's will, to experience God's peace in the middle of our pain. The invitation of God to us today is to see And feel the sorrow and pain of this world. That we wouldn't turn away. That we wouldn't distract from it. That we would lament it with God. God feels sorrow and pain over the world. Over the things that we feel sorrow and pain for. So we bring it to him. And we call out to him. And the invitation of God for us is to trust him more than we trust our own ability to see or understand or to fix. There are a lot of psalms that are laments, and they're not read enough, I don't think. Psalms that just pour out the psalmist's heart about the ways that they're experiencing the world, about their own pain and sorrow. And I think the psalms can really help us to be a vehicle for our own pain. That sometimes we don't have the words to say, but we need God to come. And so they can be the thing that takes us to him. We don't have to always have our own words to say, but we can use the Psalms to get us to the place where we need to be. And so I'm going to read Psalm 77 over us as we close because I think it holds so beautifully, the pain and sorrow that we often feel, but also this choice to trust God. And you'll hear it where it sort of shifts. So I'm going to read that as we close. And I'll invite the worship team to come up. And prepare. Psalm 77 says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God you are the God who performs miracles. you display your power among the peoples when your mighty arm with your mighty arm you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you God the water saw you and writhed. the very depths were convulsed. the clouds poured down water, the heavens resounded with thunder your arrows flashed back and forth. your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world, the earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You lead your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.